Welcome to the Sean Boy Podcast. Greeting podcastineers and podcast listeners to another episode of the Sean Boy Cast. Today I showcase 12 of my songs, one of which is a cover, and I do new and old originals, a show that I decided to do for my podcast listeners. It's an intimate show with my classical, even one of which, which I do a harp with, just to blowing. Then after uh, Sean's live and local sounds, I go over on and talk about my book idea, Current Events, uh, an ongoing uh, current event that's going to be going for a while. Um, and then I'll do a whole off the top of my head with notes a little bit on the word uh, of the word impermanence. So I do a little section and a whole talk on the word impermanence in my personal take. Well, a little quick shout out here to some uh, local people around town that I think are important for you to listen to. Uh, recently, uh, I was, well, I approached a person that wanted to start a podcast through a mutual friend of ours. And uh, that would be a podcast that's new to on Anchor, just like mine here. I explained the podcast uh, platform Anchor to her, and she took up on it. And she has two episodes out now. And that's Eden Seed, uh, Elizabeth Woods, or as she likes to be called, Ellie. This lady is a spiritual path seeker, like myself. She uh, specializes in Christianity and very well-knowledged. And what I consider and know to be a saved and working spirit walking among us. Recently, she was contacted by me when a buddy of mine told me someone wanted to start a podcast. So I told her about Anchor, and she known she knows has she now has a podcast called Eden Seed on Anchor, and she has up to two podcast entries already. And as you will hear an authentic love that comes out of Eden Seed Podcast. Highly recommend you go check that out. Next up is CZ Customs, a bill spray with your needs if you're in need of reliable and beautiful custom drums. You can look him up on uh, social media there. And another podcast out there which I can't remember the name of it, but you can look it up through Justin Riley, which is a prominent singer and banjo player for the band Eight Days Sober. So there's an advertisement right there through a podcast that he's involved with. Neat. But uh, (laughs) it's a very informative and uh, exploratory podcast where they go over, you know, big questions and things, things that I like to think about. It's awesome. But last but not least, my buddy West Dewey's Mr. President, with his company of mixing, recording, and hosting events in the area of music. Also, can book gigs. Check him out and out 
if your social media frenzies is in full effect, be sure to check out West Louise's uh, Ready Go Entertainment. And he does magic with, with solutions to live studio work. I highly suggest if you're wanting to produce something or a record or something, get up with West there. He can hook you up with some good quality sound in any way you need fit. Well, it's ear candy time. Today, the mouth smile mover is John Cleesey. And he is here to make you go ha ha. Well, for today's ear candy, it's going to be John Cleesey from Monty Python movies. And he also had a hit show along with his entourage called Monty Python's High Flying Circus, which I'm a big fan of. It was a real starter in his career along with his other famous people in his entourage. You're about to hear a clip from him at age 92. Um, and he, sh- he shares his thoughts of death and things on uh, Conan there. This is for your ear candy of happiness. Here's John Cleesey on Conan talking about death. And the conversations always went the same way. And I'd say, hello, Mum, it's John. She said, hello, John, how are you? I said, I'm fine, Mum, how are you? And then she would, with a sort of sense of surprise, she'd say, well, I'm just a little bit down this week. Oh. And I, I don't know why she was surprised, because she was just a little bit down this week for 50 years. <laughs> it's not very much fun being 92, I think, because, you know, all the people at the home are dying around you like flies, you know? Yeah, you're just yeah. sort of chatting to someone, and then you go up and get your custard and come back, and he's dead. <laughs> I have an idea. And she said, oh, what is that? And I said, "Um, look, if you're still feeling this way next week, I have a friend in Fulham, and I could give him a call if you like, but only if you like, and he could come down and kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Me, Well, not one time. She was always saying to me, you'll miss me when I've gone. You know, it used to irritate me. Yeah, you'll miss me when I'm gone. Miss me when I'm gone, and who knows, maybe I will one day, I don't know. I said, no, I won't, and I don't, because I was fed up with it, you know. Yeah, sure. And and she said, why not? And I thought, whoops, whoops, so I got across the line. I said, because, because, Mum, I said, when you die, I am going to a taxidermist and having you stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, and I'm going to keep you in a glass case by the front door. Uh-huh. Every time I go out, I shall say, bye, Mum. That's why I went Hello, this Mum. Bye, Mum. Uh-huh. But the lovely thing was she was delighted. Yeah. She was absolutely delighted. She got. Uh, she went around the uh, elderly person's residence uh, saying to people, yes, when I die, my son's going to have me stuff.
Welcome to Sean's Live and Local Sounds. Today I have an hour of a intimate presentation, 12 songs, one of which is a cover. I think more toward the end, but anywho, I do some old and new songs, all originals. Recently I wrote a gospel song about the great flood and Noah's story. That I've entitled The Ballad of Noah's Grace. This song is what we start this hour off with first. Then it's off to more music, all originals. And the one cover I do is from a band I've grown to appreciate is Songs Ohio. And the song is Farewell Transmission. A great simple song with poetic cleverness. And I enjoy doing that one. It's later on in the program, but I record these and put them in the order I played them. All one takes and done for you, the listener. And with that, enjoy. It's always rain and rain 
they won't accept resignation. So I'll just have to cry. The heart is yours to cage.
Ghost breathing down my back 
truth about it.
Hey there, kids. Welcome to Current Events. Starting today, I unveil Sean's Ongoing Book Saga Part 1 in this episode. So, why am I writing a book? Well, to develop a roadmap to countless aspects of being a human. To develop my writing skills and uh, speech. Why am I writing a book? I'm writing a book because man brainwashes himself and does not know that he may be doing that to himself. Not because he is fooled into it, but because he relies on logic and his own memory to justify his own way of living. This book is the only way I think I could grow. It's not a cure for anything but instead a deep dive into all aspects of a human being. So what do I expect for the reader when they read this book? It helps the reader to understand himself inwardly toward true spirit. This book exposes all physical, mental, and spiritual realms and or traditions and or rituals and uh, education in a simple understanding. This book is a map of a human being told through every resource and a wide span of different sources. This book does not have an end date in mind. I'm going through every chapter as fast or as slow as my spirit sees fit. And also, too, one thing the reader can get from this is it helps in exploring the dark side of things and remaining calm about it. So some of the foreground of the book is it's going to be nonfiction. There's going to be many different perceptions, rationality in it, spirituality, faith, belief, And it's going to have a birth-to-death-like feel to it when you read it. It's going to take you through a whole cycle of a human in linguistic form. (laughs) You are everybody, and they are you. Lack of reflection is literally what working memory is. All you know is what is stored 
But there is more than this. In my book is that subject matter arranged and presented in a way that maps out aspects in some of you or parts of you or some or may encapsulate all of you. Through my own inner searching, I will not write about it until I fully understand it. So I don't plan to be done anytime soon. This is a long-term commitment to a mapping out of the human system to include spirituality. I'm going to explore things presented, or I'm going to explore things pleasant and unpleasant to my being to fully understand them and not write about them until I found as close to the actual truth that I can find. Due to the complexity of this problem, I'm thinking 20 years plus to find a good mapping of the human being. I have took notice of how unauthentic the world we find ourselves in, living in, has become. Increasingly brilliant and dangerous state all exist together. I feel man has lost his true nature as a life force. We were given the gift of ultimate perception on this planet. No other affects the surface more than our own mind and actions. Yet we could all be taken out by a space rock that wanders onto our street. Every emotion and through words I will try to tell you in my book what I'm trying to do with it. Basically, it's an instruction manual for humans. Right now, I'm exploring an outline and key concepts and uh, have started writing. So I am searching for a scaffolding that will hold this book up. I will not keep any of my book a secret. I will not use this platform. I will use this platform and whatever means I see it need be promoted and invested into. So, with that, I'm going to read what I have written for some parts of chapter one. Today, I also, for a new topic on current events, the segment I am in now will be about the progress and a book reading starting today with chapter one it's called being born into existence that's part one and part two of chapter still chapter one is the stages of development all chapter one material and within that are going to be explored and with that here is uh, those two chapters called uh, Being Born Into Existence and the Stages of Development. Instruction Manual for Being Human Chapter 1, Part 1 Being Born Into Existing Nature The world you find yourself in has everything to do with you. You exist here on an average of 80 years. If you make it 
to 84, we can say you lived a full life. There is no one single ideal that makes up and tells a human what or what he should do with one's own life. I believe there are three ways uh, that you can attain to a higher type of kind of human being. And uh, the first one is devotion. This way will bring you to a higher state of human being. Another one is selfless action. And the last one, which is the one I think I'm in, is contemplation. These are three ways Krishna talked about in the Bhagavad Gita, one of the oldest ancient literatures known to man. And uh, I am not against any religion or sect or anything whatsoever. The earth beneath your feet is so big that you are a pebble on its surface. You have to understand everything on the surface is held down and pulled together in such a way that we live on this plane as a result of nature. Gravity is what keeps you from floating off. Above you is the sky. It is there to make a nice environment so the trees can make clean air for your lungs. You were born into a symbolic relationship with the earth. You were born right where the environment created you at. Everyone will tell you what you should think, but you should always be the final say in any matter or issue. It's very easy to give up control or even know you're you were affected by something. Never let anyone into your system that does not belong there. Someone else's thoughts should be fully analyzed and looked at from all angles and not believed until it's true in your experience. If it is not in your experience, then it has not been fully realized. And when it is fully realized, then it's existence will be self-evident in many ways. So now the good news. Nothing lasts. All is decaying around you. You start dying the minute you were born. So how is this good news? It means what you do really matters. If one human had superpowers and lived forever and knew all, our reason for existing would be pointless. Nature is the clues and close attention to one's own system is required to learn anything fully. You should not take anything to be true. You must find out for yourself. If we are ex experienced, why not let your experience inform you if it was not spooled by yourself or poisoned by another Ideals are thoughts that you were given to you by your memory. They are not the fact. You can say it's a rock, but a rock is just a word. Is language all their meanings and actual meaning to your life? Is language what we're saying we are? Is language the stories we tell ourselves? Who were you before your mother and father were born? This may seem like a unattainable goal but it's something you should ponder and think about 
as a human it's very important you bring a plus sign and not to avoid all the negative signs no you must understand the negative so you know what pathways are truly possible uh, positive no natural thing on this planet is here for no reason especially if you're a human without knowing or to be unaware of something is to murder a journey meant for your time to find the answer there is an answer but when are you prepared to hear it and at what age should you know something how violent our thoughts are you think too much and looking for answers if so this book will go on as far as I can humanly take it to address all possibilities of being a human for many different resources available. My thoughts, my thoughts are one man's thoughts. When I speak of things, my hope is that you, the reader, travel into what is being said and understand it fully. I respect open dialogue about such things. This is one of the only things I've ever thought that would truly be a way of exposing all the aspects of what it is to be human. Chapter 1, Part 2 The Five Stages of Development Much of what I'm going to go over now has been learned from Ken Wilber, one of the few people on this planet that understands what I'm attempting with this book. If anyone were to ask him, what he thought of such an ideal, he would probably laugh. <laughs> but he is the closest resource and life work that I've seen that probably has a pretty good starting outline for what I'm trying to do with this book. Okay. With stages of development, the world has hierarchy meaning you have to make choices in your life. If you choose chocolate ice cream over another dessert at the moment, you put chocolate in your top taste hierarchy. This is a real hierarchy that exists about ice cream. What is your favorite hierarchy flavor? There is natural hierarchies and dominator hierarchies. Knowing the difference in these two is very important to your being. A natural hierarchy is death itself. We all die at different ages, but most make it until their old age. You know, a long time ago, 30 years old was uh, old age, about 2,000 years ago. A dominator hierarchy would be the will to win over others, not necessarily a bad thing, but there is a group of people called the Nazis and they really existed. Fun history from a dominator hierarchy that turned into pure human evil. These two hierarchies are easily misunderstood in modern times. Life on our planet is a sea and desert in all other places 
Even ideals that are dreamed up by us are all governed by stages of development. From atom to molecule to organ to complex organs to whole animal systems to humans with most complex mind on the planet. The stock market has a stage of development. Almost anywhere you look, you can find stages of development and natural operating and on natural operations everywhere. Currency over time has a stage of, uh, of development. And so do you. Some people say that there's three different kind of big bangs besides the first one. So the first one, material bangs into existence. Then life bangs into existence. And then the ideal of human reflection on it all, consciousness, sprung into existence. The third big bang is what is most concerning with us. You exist because of your ability to reflect on your environment. What you, what have you seen so far in your development? You were born with no consciousness up until you were about 18 months old. One day you said, oh, that's me. And then your awareness said, oh, that is me. Especially if you were looking in a mirror and it happened. You were born helpless in the natural environment. You were born helpless in the natural environment could kill you in so many ways. Before 18 months, you were aware of only matter that was picked up from your limited senses. Stage one of development for humans is the unconscious state of being. You did not put on clothes. You didn't even know how. Nature cares so much for you that your mother and father did enough bad or good that you made it to this point. Next, you naturally become I, stage two. The interior of yourself memory is turned on and you record images till the death till your death all and everything is recorded but only your body is known at that point the third stage of development of mind is of course the mind stage and this is where the majority of people spend their time at is in their mind this is the stage where complex operations can be had, like the ideal of going to the moon, which we did and achieved. The next two stages of development is what is lacking in a real kind of way, and they are soul and spirit. Well, there you have it, folks. There's uh, current events for the first... Uh, reading of my book uh it's chapter one part one and two being born into existence and stages of development i hope you find my book interesting and uh, on current events i'll probably be bringing this up almost every episode as, as i develop the book forward
So thank you for your continued ear partner. And uh, we're on to my personal take where I talk about the word impermanence. Episode 30's My Personal Take, we're going to go over uh, open thought, like one word that I'll center the whole conversation around, and that word is impermanence. I first heard of the word impermanence by Ramadas, a uh, spiritual leader and talker, very famous from the 60s. What I mean by impermanence is the impermanence of you, decay, the death of the body, and generally everything that you see and experience will one day die. But there is something that's left over, and that is the pure spirit that is living within you. Due to this impermanence, it makes your time very, very purposeful and also very relevant. Without the suffering of the natural world, there would be no growth of the so-called light and spirit world. Like yin-yang, that is a symbol of a dualistic nature, the good and the bad, the plus and the minus, working in tandem, chasing each other. You know, it's important to know when you're looking at something and exploring something, whether you should move along or let it breathe, your attention toward it. With the word impermanence, knowing that all is going to die and you're eventually going to be nothing, you're going to go back to the dirt in which you were born. And uh, the universe all started that way. It was born as well, spreading out into all the things that we call galaxies, which have solar systems, binary star systems. I mean, the cosmos is a It could be infinite, and it's so big that we can't even see to the edge of it. But anywho, one thing I like to think about with impermanence is uh, some uh, Greek mythology mythology, uh, comes to mind with impermanence. And one is Demeter, which had the daughter Persephone. She's uh, Demeter or in Greek, Themeter, one of the six children to be swollen whole by Cronus, father of the Titans, and Demeter was her father, and that was Demeter's father. She is a fertility god of the earth, agriculture, and growth. She had nine children, which one of which was Persephone and the one that she was most close to. Persephone was the start of springtime, flowers, and vegetation. To Demeter, Persephone was her closest child, 
out of the nine that she had in Greek mythology. As the story goes, Hades ends up finally falling in love with Persephone and Zeus and Hades, both of which are brothers, hatch a plan to give Hades Persephone because Zeus had agreed that Hades would get one of Demeter's daughters in an earlier agreement. Demeter grew enraged, searched night and day for Persephone through many stories around this time period in the story. But soon Demeter found out the whole plot of why and through all Demeter's worry and aggravation. All the crops and the earth was in this time, they were nothing would grow and the seasons were all off. Counting for some, like maybe the ice age. (laughs) That's where they get that. And uh, eventually an agreement was made that Persephone was to spend six months in uh, in the gods' realms. And then she would spend six months in the underworld with Hades. And this is how the four seasons are accounted for in Greek mythology. In this story, all is as it should be. As for Persephone, she has a duty on a higher plane and on the lower plane or the underworld. And with her and the gods account for why the seasons act as they do, all must be reborn as it is in nature. And so it is true that sometimes to understand abundance in life, you have to understand that all have a rhythm and vibration in them. The laws that govern all of us exist for a reason, just as this story did for some Greeks. As it is in the seasons, there is a natural changing of climate. Isn't it nice that we have a 3% ellipse, almost a circle, but still enough to start everything new? With 3% ellipse gives us the exact weather that is predicted overall year after year. You can't have any life without suffering, because suffering is the key element and fundamental to growth itself. And I think people's biggest suffering is the ideal of impermanence, that nothing lasts and you're right to assume that you will end is true. You are a higher part of life and may not even be aware of the fact that you do have a higher purpose. You're not any kind of mistake if you're here, hearing this. This, I believe, is the way to approach things in a very important. And to leave this episode off as we come to the end here, I leave you with an audio clip of Jay Krishnamurti talking about with a group of people in 1971 in New York entitled to be aware of our past. This is a speech that transformed my thinking about the so-called problems in my life. So with that, enjoy as I did from a 1971 New York talk that Jay Krishnamurti gave people. Enjoy. And you guys have a good night. And I appreciate your probably wore out here at this point. Good night. With that, here's Jay.
They have tried so many methods, systems, philosophies. We have tried to follow spiritual leaders, political leaders, and we are always trying to find a formula, a way out of this utter chaos and misery. First of all, I'd like to point out, if I may, that we are not offering any kind of philosophy, except philosophy means love of truth. And truth is something that cannot be described, and what is described is not the thing that is. And this tr love of truth is not something far away to be grasped after periods of training, following some particular system, or accepting any faith, belief, but rather to have the capacity to observe very clearly without any distortion. It's only then it is possible to see what actually is and what is, is the truth, and to go beyond it. And so, during these four talks, if one may, we are going to go into this question of obs observing, learning, and seeing actually what is, and see if our minds and our hearts can go beyond all the confusion and the misery and the travail which we have created for ourselves. You see, I... Um, you know, most of you, if may I say, come with some certain anticipation, desiring to be stimulated, or seeking inspiration, or wanting to follow a new method or system, or because the speaker comes from that far country, India, you have some romantic ideas and hope to find some sentimental solution to all our problems. And the speaker is not an Indian, except in a, as a carrying a passport. He has no philosophy. He's not doing any propaganda or making you accept 
or deny, agreeing or disagreeing. We are going together, examine what is actually going on, both outwardly and inwardly. So we are going to share together. Sharing together is communication. And we make a lot of ado about communication. To share together any problem implies that we must be free to examine, free of any prejudice, free of our conditioning, as an American, as a Catholic, as a Protestant, as a Hindu, as a politician or businessman or a scientist, what you will, free to observe together, share together, partake in the meaning and the significance of the thing together. That's what communication means, sharing. And so, when we are going to examine together both your mind and the speakers must be free to look, not to accept or deny, but to observe very closely, if one can, the whole issue. To observe without any distortion. And our minds are distorted. Because we live our daily life in fragmentation. We are Catholics, or businessmen, or scientists, or anthropologists, politicians, you know, divide, divide, divide both outwardly and inwardly. We are fragmented human beings. And we look at this whole problem of existence through one fragment, either intellectual or emotional, or totally disregard and accept things as they are and carry on. And we hope somehow through time, through outward events, through political action, through organization, that things will become normal, sane and healthy. But I'm afraid they will never will, neither through perfect organization, however beautifully run bureaucratically, or any, pro any solutions that the scientists offer will not obviously solve our human problems. Whether you live in this country, Europe or India or in Asia, as human beings our problems are common. Because they're common, we can communicate. What is common can be communicated, shared together. Therefore, one has to totally disregard 
all the images that one has built round the speaker, all your particular own image about yourself, so that we can both together observe, really understand, put our hearts into the solution of these many problems. And so, from the beginning, we should be very clear that there is, we are not offering any kind of solution or telling you what you should do, because it emphasizes authority. When where there is authority, <coughs> there must be fear, competitiveness, imitation and conformity. And all that denies <coughs> examination. And we have to examine very closely and hesitantly the extraordinary problems that we have as human beings, not as scientists, not as a politician or a businessman or a laborer, but as human beings. Because we must bring about in ourselves, it seems to me, a total revolution in the very psyche, in the very structure of our being. <coughs> 